Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, here we go. Four o'clock hour. Cofield and Company, Reno is in as we are broadcasting from the Battleborn Broadcast Center. This hour is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 766-1400. is a number with offices in Reno and Henderson and Vegas. You can call from anywhere in the state of Nevada, 766-1400. I was actually uh, just ranting a little more about the whole Connor McDavid Hart Trophy thing and MVP voting. And I, I think it's absurd that we've got people in the market. Now that's JT the Brick. Chris Matthews over Channel 8, and now Darren Millard, all saying that the guy who did not put Connor, uh, Connor McDavid first and actually put him fifth should have his vote rescinded. I That is, to me, is outrageous. If you have a vote, it's on your opinion, and it doesn't mean you're not taking it seriously. And there are a lot of people out there, we do this all the time, yeah. who look at great teams and go, hey, that guy's on a great team with another great player. He can't be the most valuable player by my definition. He plays with Leon Dreisaitl. Case closed. That's my argument. And we've seen this happen many times where there were people in the past. I mentioned Lavelle Neal was a guy in Minnesota, longtime baseball writer, who would not vote New York Yankees for the biggest awards. Now, do I think he had some sort of agenda? I don't know. Was it a Minnesota hatred of New York? I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's his vote. He can do what he wants with it. And I think the way he looked at it was on that team with a loaded payroll, with lots of Hall of Famers or guys who are going to have their numbers retired in Monument Park, you can't actually be an MVP on a team that has six MVPs. That's it. And a lot of people are going to bring up the points because Connor McDavid had 153 points. Pasternak and McDavid were one and two in goals, 64 and 61. Right. Uh, Pasternak had a plus 34, Connor McDavid plus 22. Points per game, 1.8 versus 1.3 in favor of McDavid. Even strength goals, 43 for Pasternak, 39 for McDavid. A lot of the numbers across the board, um, individually, outside of assists, are very similar. I got it. I'm just telling you, there are people who have the philosophy, if you play for a great team, Yes, you're valuable, but what about that guy who's on the, you know, the fifth or sixth best team who is just an absolute superstar? on that team that and that's just the way they vote and it doesn't mean their their idea is flawed i mean you talk about talk about slow times like people complain or people will throw out their slow times in sports i don't think there's ever a slow time in sports but sometimes people are just looking for things to rant about and by the way for anyone out there who and maybe vgk insider show will book this guy in pittsburgh who didn't vote him uh you know didn't vote him for the hard trophy didn't vote mcdavid for the hard trophy book him let's go not Oh, I'm not even going to pay him any mind. It's so ridiculous. Okay. No, have him on and let him explain himself. Yes, exactly. Give him an open forum. But they won't. But people won't. That, well, and here's I don't the know problem. if you can. Here's the problem. There's so will, many. There's so many. You should. Judgmental. If you're, that, if, you're, if you're that strong on it, you should have him on. Well, there's so many judgmental people that rather than sit back, shut up, and listen. So why? So Seth isn't going to take a lot of media requests because he's going to be in fear of being ju- rather than just let allowing him to right. tell his side. Yeah. Um, here's something just interesting. Scream, uh, scream at him. Here's something interesting. Goaltenders, goals against average, mm-hmm. save percentage. Right. Well, save percentage is basically that's an easy arithmetic. But goals against average is based on time in the net, not per game. Whereas here we see on the NHL.com stats um, page, 
it's points per games played, but McDavid is on the ice 22 minutes, 23 seconds per game. Pasternak, three minutes less per game. Interesting. So I'd like to know points and goals per time played, yeah. time on ice. Now, people listening, that's a, that's a big difference. people listening right now who heard me say a couple of minutes ago, I'm basing this a lot on what I saw to McDavid in the VGK series. There actually is an argument on the flip side in the VGK series. He did show that he is very valuable because he, if he and Dreisaitl weren't on the ice, that team is useless, completely useless. All right, big four. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the big four at four. Number four. I was just chuckling to myself. I was thinking that might be the first time in 15 years I've had a meltdown or explosion over MVP. Because I always mock on people who get really worked up about MVP awards now. I'm like, guys, gals, that was like 1987 sports radio. Like when we were first starting at the you know the highest level going 24 hours. But eh, this one's interesting. This one's interesting. Uh, do we have, need to have a debate over you two? I don't know if you uh, read. By the way, you guys are doing a really good job with the staff. You have a good staff at the Sporting Tribune. Uh, Norm. Good old Norm, who was with the RJ for years mm-hmm. as a uh, you know, kind of on-the-scene gossip guy all around Las Vegas. Wrote a nice column today, and uh, he piqued my interest with talking about the Sphere and the opener of the Sphere on September 29th. About six weeks before, F1 is on the ground. Said the tickets were anywhere from 500 to 1500 I'm guessing they're going to be even more expensive for the first show. Are you a U2 guy? Um, not on a regular basis, but I have seen them in concert at uh, the Big A in Anaheim. Is that right? Yeah, I went down there for a wedding. A buddy got married. It was basically him and his bride, me and my wife at the time. And I think that was it. And Were then, you here in town when they played Sam Boyd? I was in town, but I didn't go. You didn't but go. What I was so it wasn't you that is, big a deal for you? No. At the Big A, um, Lenny Kravitz opened. That's and, a good opener. And rocked <laughs> it. Rocked it. Yeah. He was incredible. I like, like, I enjoyed him more, but I enjoyed the U2 show. That being said, I wouldn't pay $500. I don't know if there's anybody. Right now, there's a there's a kid there's a kid that's going viral. Matt Reif, comedian. You told me about him. Right. I jumped. I see, it, I jumped. I see him on my landing page on my TV channels with his shirt off. And I'm like, enough of this guy. <laughs> but I hear he's very funny. He's and that hilarious. was the guy you were talking about. The tickets went through the roof, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It got to 300 and I was like, no, I'm not paying that. I mean, someone will, the, that show, someone will tape one of these. This world tour he's doing, it'll eventually be on Netflix or somewhere and I'll just watch it on YouTube. But I'm not paying that much. I would rather pay for Taylor Tomlinson. She's hilarious. Between 50 and 60 bucks. She's coming too. I was just looking at U2 uh, when they played Sam Boyd. Yeah. And I lived right up the road. I, but I don't even remember at the time of, like, even hearing about the concert. I was new to town. It took me a little while to get into the Vegas flow of things. You know I lived Vegas? I lived right next to Sam Boyd and behind Nevada Palace, where the cannery is now in an apartment complex. I mean, right up Boulder Highway from, from Sam Boyd Stadium. So right down the road, U2 was playing, and I, who knows what I was doing. Do you know the arguably the biggest concert that played there? No. Grateful Dead. Is that right? Did you go? No. You're not a deadhead. Not my thing. No. You don't. Okay. That's I all right. Never, I was never really into rock. Okay. So I used to go to June Fest because a bunch of buddies. I used to go to June Fest just because that was when I did drink. 
maybe have party favors as well, but it's a whole other story. I love the, I love whole, the term party favors. It's a whole other podcast. <laughs> Number three. Is this real? I don't know. but I, A cage heist? It's interesting. And was it at Circa? Well, that's just it because... LV locally said a man posing as the owner of a Fremont Street casino convinced a casino cage supervisor to give him more than $1 million in cash for, quote, emergency payments for the fire department earlier this month. And then I saw Derek Stevens comment on this that, uh, yeah, it's not it's not a joke. That is some idea. And to pull it off, to have the, the sack to walk up and tell that story and pull it off? My Lord. Well... Considering, I mean, this this person that's been arrested and is being charged is 23 years old. Hmm. Uh, the problem that I have is if they're if if he's if it was at Circa and he's posing as a ho- a hotel owner. Now, it didn't mean that he was posing as Derek Stevens. It says. A Las Vegas hotel owner. Okay. It could be the same, one and the same. But police interviewed a cage supervisor who said they received a phone call from a person who claimed they were the hotel's owner. The fire department needed to do a check on the fire extinguishers. They would need a payment for further safety devices. The cage supervisor brought the money in four installments to the unknown person at different offsite locations. The payments total 314000 350000 500000 plus three smaller deposits, resulting in $1.1 million. Wow. Definitely the cage supervisor was in on it. That's what a lot of people said. Yeah, Derek Stevens commented on this. He said, although, although I love a good PR story, this isn't one of them. Circa Vegas is cooperating with Metro in this investigation. We appreciate, greatly appreciate their effort to, uh, efforts to date. Cannot comment further due to an ongoing investigation i you know what i give derek credit for saying anything about it because you know the fact that the story got out you know it was not the coolest thing as he said and, and there, most i mean most casino moguls would not say anything or connect themselves to the story it's well it's embarrassing but you know kudos to derek and it doesn't surprise me that he did say something because that's derek he's he, he i mean he's pretty forthright the, i mean he's sly like a fox what if there's someone who sees this tweet and they're like, oh, I like Derek. You know, there is that guy that told me he was going to do this. Like, what are some people around who were like, hey, you know what? Screw that guy who who pulled this off. Kind of send the message out. Hey, everyone be looking for this person. So. You lost me. What do you mean? They got him. So in the end, they got him. Yeah. 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 Saying. If, if you send it out and you're like, hey, well, you know, we, we also could use help from the community. Oh, if yeah. they know anything more about the details and how right. this was set up. I don't know. I Because I, I saw that sentiment on Twitter where people were like, uh, you know, normally I wouldn't care much, you know, because it's a casino, but, you know, Derek's a good guy, so. Yeah. Still, the ball's on this guy. Yeah. Number two. Imagine if he gotten away with it. Right? Uh, Julian Strother picked in the first round just a few days ago. Denver Nuggets introed. So... I know you did the interviews. You played them with uh, Lee Strother and Jalen Suggs, which was an amazing interview. Kudos to you. You freaking, you stuck with it. I would have, I think I would have stopped the interview. He was crying, man. He was so happy for his friend. And then you talked to Julian. But each step of this now in the NBA is going to be so cool for Julian, so cool 
for the family, and there are locals, so it's a really good story. I, I texted with Lee while he was up in Denver, uh, Julian's father, and he said it still hadn't sunk in. I don't think it's going to sink in for uh, for for Lee or his sister's page in Paris until two weeks from now when he steps on the court and debuts that noon game. I believe it's at noon or 2 p.m. So we're going to have the time set, huh? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think it's day one, and it's either the noon or TP- 2 p.m. tip at the MAC. He debuts in the MAC, and the rest of the Nuggets games, I think, are in Cox. But when he walks out there with that number three on his jersey, Denver Nuggets, and makes his debut, it's going to be a special moment. It'll be cool. You're 100% there? Number one. Be. Absolutely. You're 100% there if you can be? Absolutely. Why is it special for you? Well, just for the fact that more than anything, his mom. Yeah. His mom and I were close. Real close. I mean, we were, you know, we were, when when her and Lee, when her and Lee first met and she lived in LA and she flew in, I was the first person to like pick her up and hang out with her while Lee was there because we all worked yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, Cookie and I go way back when I had problems or whatever. She would, I would go to her. She would come to me. I mean, we were tight. We had like twenty seconds when uh, when you were talking to Suggs and he and he was really balling. Yeah, he had, a, he had to turn away. I guess he turned away. Were, were you like, were you almost on the verge? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Good for you. Yeah. That was that was great. That was a great interview and good good for Suggs, man. That's uh, it's cool to see that friends are that close. This hour is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers offices here in Vegas, Henderson, and in Reno. 766-1400 is the call from anywhere in Nevada. Number dial 775 in the north. About those LSU Tigers, baby. We do what we do. Win championships. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. A screaming Kim Mulkey. Kim Mulkey, the LSU women's basketball head coach. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorites. Baton Rouge or Vegas, which is title town. Did you see any of the videos of her being uh, taken to Omaha by uh, one of the program's benefactors? She was on there with a bunch of uh, other friends of the program, and they were going to watch LSU, and LSU wound up taking out Florida, which, by the way, was bad news for Sammy P., Sam Paniotovich is coming up in about 20 minutes. He had a nice future on Florida, so I hope he hedged. Hope he hedged in the uh, winner-go-home College World Series title game last night. I want to get to Mulkey in a couple minutes. Okay. So, hey, Ari, do me a favor. I forgot to ask for the Derek Carr apology bite. We need to play that again. We played that yesterday with RJ Clifford, and it's something we've been referencing since the middle of last week, Willie. Yeah. Derek Carr standing up there and going, ah, you know what? I didn't give the Raiders my best. And we were all like, why? A lot of times it's, it's you know, it's a question. Uh, we don't hear the question. So then, you know, sometimes we assume, hey, he just brought it up on his own. I'm sure he didn't. Mm-hmm. But I always feel like with Derek Carr, because we all said with Carr in this case, like you didn't need to apologize. But I always feel like with Derek Carr, there's an ulterior motive. There's a plan of attack. There's a series of comments that are coming. It's not because a lot of people are like, oh, he just he just speaks off the cuff. I don't think that's the case with Derek Carr. I think he generally has a plan. Some of it's emotional, but he generally has a plan. So now we're seeing headlines that the Raiders made my wife cry. When I saw that today, I was like, here we go. I feel like the breakup on the Raiders side, the Raiders organization, the Derek Carr breakup, like the Raiders are done. They moved on. 
But, you know, it does, in Derek Carr's case, it does hurt to get released. It does hurt to get cut. And he's still stinging from it. And you know there was a lot of emotion at the end of the season. Last year, right, Willie? When he was away from the team for a couple of weeks, and then we were all like, wait, did Derek say I have to leave? Or did the team tell him to leave? All right, can we get the apology here? All right, we're efforting it. So what do you think is going on here? Do you think these are two unrelated conversations where he's apologizing last week and now he's telling the Fresno Bee that the Raiders made my wife cry? I think it's June 27th and the New Orleans Saints at some point got to say, shut the F up and you're on a new team now. <laughs> but, but, but he's deft in this, that he's, I think he's using the Raiders to talk about how this organization, you know what I mean? It's all by a plan. Like, hey, the, the Raiders and I had this happen, but now it's good. Right. But now it's the way it's supposed to be. Then just say, hey, I'm in a great spot. We love it here. Ready to get started. Ready to this. Why are we constantly bringing up the past? This dude is deeply hurt. He's de And we get it. Nine years. He was fully vested. Raider for life. He made the big statement. I'll retire if I'm not a Raider. Right? He put it all on the line. Josh McDaniels comes in, shakes things up. You're gone. He, the only thing that Josh McDaniels didn't do that he did in Denver was do it when he first got there. He just waited till afterwards. So, you know, there's things last year and while learning a new system and trying to go through certain situations and philosophies and all this kind of stuff where I don't think that they got the best version of me because there was so much going on and I didn't really settle, sit it down and just make it football again. Okay. So he was taking the blame there, yeah. but now there's a pound of flesh that's coming. <laughs> And to your point, like, dude, just let it go. Let it go. He should. The whole thing with this the, is a bad look. I feel. I mean, I, I don't know how to say it. I mean, yes, you you want to say, well, that's terrible that his wife cried, but I mean, how many other wives? I mean, I, I don't know. It's just ears end. Yeah, it's personnel changes. Part of the quarterbacks don't get to play well, in one spot their whole career. It wasn't working. Right. Oil and water. Josh McDaniel's offense and you, it didn't work. And as the season went along, it didn't work. And then relationships got fractured. And we went through this with a bunch of different insiders last week. Whatever happened with Darren Waller, whoever you were talking about, about not willing to make the sacrifice, Carr clearly cares because he sent out the dopey picture last week where it didn't even look like Darren Waller knew he was being photographed. And Carr's leg is in the picture because Carr wanted to show him and Waller, oh, we're good. We're working out in Vegas. Let it go, bro. Let it go. Because on the flip side, how many do you think Darren Waller really talks about Derek Carr? You think he and Kels are at dinner and they're like, and another thing about Carr. <laughs> what do you think? I don't know, but I wasn't there last night, but I will tell you this. The first game against the Indiana Fever, what was last night? Monday? So Saturday, Darren Waller was there. He was up in the stands. Okay. He, he, I don't think he's ever sat in the stands. He was in, he, he's usually on the floor. So it was just a little telling for me. He he tried to tell me from where he was sitting why he was sitting up there, and I couldn't get I couldn't figure out what he was saying. So it was loud still. But well, neither one are here anymore. So if they're going to work out and they put let bygones be bygones, but no, I think you're right. I think like Darren Waller. Okay, perfect example. He talked to me off camera. 
I know he did an interview with a local station. He had his foundation dinner. Not once did he talk about pain and anguish and what took place last year and Kelsey was crying and da da da. He talked about how much he loved New York and he's ready to go and he's enjoying life and he Yeah. He's he's loving being a fan of his wife and I loved Kelsey Plum, by the way, just a side note. I loved her quote on TV at the foundation because they were asking about the two of them, the dynamic, the this and that. He go, she goes, you know what? I'm just enjoying being here, being a supportive wife. I thought it was a really cool comment. It was a big foundation dinner, right? And for the Darren Waller Foundation and a lot of money raised. Um, yeah, I think Darren Waller let it has let has let it sort of fall off his shoulders quicker than Derek Carr. He Derek Carr is carrying a lot of burden around. And you know one of the things I have to wonder if he's carrying around? All the times we asked him, week two, week four, week six, week eight, right? On the Wednesday presser, Derek, is everybody in sync? Is every and he would say, I'm just going out and doing what they tell me to do. Mm. I love Josh. I believe in the plan. I but whatever they put in front of me, I'm just trying to do. I said it. A couple of other guys would say it. We all were like, okay, he's not really answering the question. He's just telling us he's placating. I'm just doing what they're telling me to do. We knew it. We knew that they were never on the same page. And I wonder if that stings more than anything that, hey, I was loyal and never said, no, it's not harmonious. It's not working. We dispute this all the time. The system's not catering to me and I'm not catering to it. Never. He, He was always loyal. So in the story with the Fresno Bee, obviously that one line has been pulled about making the wife cry. Uh, some of the the more extensive quotes, Carr said about not being able to play the last two games, which we still don't have a clear story on. If it was the Raiders telling him, you're not playing, leave, or if Derek Carr found out that he wasn't playing the last two games and decided to leave because he was upset, which I think it, there is a, a important distinction there. It would have been nice for him to stick around and support the other quarterbacks on the team down the stretch. Now, in the end, I don't know that the Raiders wanted to win the last two games. Right? That's why part of it's why you're, hey, let's take a look at, you know, potentially the future. It wasn't a future because he wound up leaving, right? But he said, I would have said, I don't even want the money just to play two more times in front of our fans. I didn't get that opportunity, so it definitely lit a fire inside me to keep going. So maybe that's referencing his comments in the past that said if he wasn't a Raider quarterback, he would retire. The line about his wife, he said, quote, once they made my wife cry, that was pretty much over. Once they made her cry, that was out. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just, I think this is such a, an orchestrated weave through a topic that he wants to hit and he wants to close this thing the way he wants to close it and when he wants to close it. Because I'll tell you right now, we had this conversation yesterday with RJ Clifford, who was on, who does the Autumn Windbags podcast, big yeah. Raider fan too. Yeah. And we had the conversation yesterday, like, I'm, I'm guessing Derek Carr, one, he would love to win a bunch of games with the Saints and make the playoffs. But I'm sure he would also love to see a lot of Raider Nation support saying, oh, man, well, we hope you win 12 games and make the playoffs. And then to add to that, to show Mark Davis that he was wrong. <laughs> okay. The Raiders didn't make his wife cry, though. She made herself cry. What did they do to her to make her? She just got upset. Her emotions got the best of her. I don't know. 
There's not there's not more on that quote on that comment. So maybe there was maybe he gave the story and the writer didn't put it in. Okay, so if we're we're running out of time for this, I could go on and on about this. I just you got time. I and okay, we're about the clock. There there there's a time. We'll just cut the break if we're not done. There's Keep a time. There's there was a time a couple of weeks ago, right? My mom doesn't understand the concept of bits. She also doesn't understand how when you get fired up sometimes and you're like, what's going on? Right. right? And I can't remember, but I shared it or something. I did something. Right. She was like, she texted me. She goes, who is that guy that keeps yelling at you? Is that <laughs> Cofield? Okay. So did you make her, did you directly or were uh-huh. we just doing a bit? See what I'm saying? Like it's, I, I upset your mom. <laughs> well, you didn't upset her. She was, uh, he was she was like, why are you getting yelled at all the time by that person? I was like, mom, that's, that's part of the. I said, we yell at each other. I, I yell anyway. Because yeah. when we get off the air, like when we went to break, we laughed and go, oh, that was good. But my point is, is that they don't know what they're doing. I mean, they don't, they're not thinking, well, okay, we got to take everything in consideration. Derek Carr's wife might get upset. So we better be careful. The Giants now have to consider Kelsey Plum's feelings. If the New York media has to worry about Kelsey Plum crying, I think the Wallers are in big trouble because New York media does not hold back. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Cofield and Company, halfway point of the show. So I played Kim Mulkey, or Ari did, played Kim Mulkey, LSU women's coach, celebrating the LSU baseball title. By the way, we got Sam Paniotovich coming up in about 10 minutes. He's got some stuff to say on Derek Carr. So we'll get into that. On Mulkey and LSU, mm-hmm. let me throw this one at you. Don't count the playoffs for the Aces. Okay. What will be the hottest ticket in town the rest of the year for women's basketball? You know the answer. I don't because I don't agree with you. What? Your mom better turn off the radio right now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I got to worry about that every time. LSU. LSU is playing here in Vegas. Yeah. When I saw this, I was like, oh, my God, Angel Reese is coming to town. Woo, mama. How about the tickets for this event? I have been scrambling all day. Yep. Probably to get tickets for this. No. I even texted our good friend, Lindy LaRock. I know that they signed, like, I know that they have, they announced, I'm looking, I mean, I'm even looking up and down UNLV yep. news pages. But don't they have a big non-conference schedule because we talked about it how next year it finally starts where it's now this the the new schedule like a lot of the schedule was still remnants of kathy olivier and they were they were playing that out plus the old ad if i'm not mistaken and i just don't know where the game's at is the problem but don't they have arizona with adia barnes don't, aren't they playing a big non-conference schedule i think that they're playing someone for the pac-12 if that's here no i'm sorry that unlv UNLV Lady Rebels' toughest non-conference game will be the biggest ticket in town. Forget LSU. LSU and Angel Reese are coming here November 6th. It's a 
four-game ATM Invitational Hall of Fame series at the Fortress. Ooh, aggressive. Big building. Mm. At the Fortress. Uh, women's games will be LSU and Colorado. USC and Ohio State. The men will have Georgia, Oregon, USC. Ronnie. Hello. Now, I would assume these are two different sessions. USC women? USC men and women are playing. Aaliyah Gales. What? You know who that is? No. That is the young lady who played for Spring Valley and was okay. riddled with bullets. Oh, that's right. The USC player. That's right. And I, she, she's been practicing. She's okay. been recuperating. So, and, and so if she's playing, well, that'll be a good ticket. That'll be, that'll be a great. So LSU will be the headliner. Okay. But for locals, they'll be there for the doubleheader and they'll get to see her play if she's ready to go. Okay. 10,000 people want to buy tickets. Mm-hmm. A, uh, the Aces and Liberty only play one time in each venue? Yes. Okay. I believe I believe they only play twice this year. Okay. Some some east-west, so they will play more than Aces, twice. Aces, Liberty, 10,000 people in the building. Can, can UNLV women's against Arizona get 10,000 if they move it to the Thomas and Mack? And will both of those tickets I just mentioned – be more than LSU and Angel Reese and Kim Mulkey here in town. Come on now. Come on now. I think that UNLV, if, if, it, if, it, if it's Arizona and they move it to the TNM, I think they can get it, but not just from Vegas fans. I think that Arizona fans, because Adia Barnes, right. had, yeah, they'll, they will travel. So are you suggesting the Aces game against the Liberty is the third biggest game from a ticket price standpoint? You well, now that you're adding the WNB, before you said no, not inclu- no, 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 I was I was comparing what the biggest Aces game the rest of the year, not a postseason game, not a postseason, no, the okay. biggest Aces regular no, season game the no, rest of the no, year no, versus no. Angel Reese and LSU ticket. No. Now, and I I didn't remember the UNLV Arizona ticket. No, no, no. Wow, you you and Aces Aces Liberty will be this will be Thursday night's game will be the biggest game in the WNBA regular season. Bye. Coolfield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Sammy P. Sammy P. Sam Peniatovich is in. We'll get into some of the gambling stuff. Sam, what's your uh, take on uh, Derek Carr drama being created by Derek and not letting go of his uh, his Raider days? I couldn't care less. And that's a wrap. Yeah. I mean, you guys are talking about him like he's this miraculous quarterback that won a bunch of division titles and had them on deep playoff Excuse me? runs. When do, when do we say any of that? Yeah. Where, we were, the topic was Derek Carr is still lamenting the way he left the Raiders and he's now with a new team and he's still talking about it. Raider nation up on social media is split on Derek Carr and many of them are rooting for Derek Carr to win and shove it in the face of Mark Davis. I know now you're a more nuts and bolts guy versus a sports talk guy because that's what happens when you gamble, and that's the way you have to be. There can't be emotion in this. But I will say, I do believe there is a tiny bit of this that can be used in handicapping. I wouldn't bank on it, but if I were looking for an extra motivated quarterback to have a year maybe that is a little better than he's had normally, it might be Derek Carr. Yeah, I was being a little facetious, obviously, with my I get comments. It. And I, I just and, and you know what, Sam? I, mean, I think there's a lot of people out there who are probably like, "Who cares about this?" But um, it, there for some reason, man, I don't know what this guy has a hold on some of the Raiders fans that I've never understood. They were sixty three and seventy nine when he started. He was top ten in MVP voting one time, and I'm looking at 
two winning records in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine seasons. I don't get it. Yep. Sammy P, you know who which fan base should be really should care about this? The who? Saints. Because they should be saying, you know what? Shut the F up Bro, let it go. and let it go. You are now in the big easy, baby. Let's go. That's the fan base that should be concerned a little bit. Like, okay, dude, let this go. It's like, hey, you're now married to me. Forget about your ex-wife. We're going to keep hearing. I got to keep hearing about your ex-wife over and over. That's that's, That's a very good point by you, Willie. And and let me me ask the two of you a question. As much as you've seen of Derek Carr in the last decade, would you, either of you, bet the Saints to win the division next year at plus 130? No, those that number is ridiculous. No, no, right. It is, yeah. which leads me to a conversation I had today with Adam Chernoff, who bets professionally and does it very well in the NFL. He said their biggest position this year in the NFL, and these are guys that bet for a living and move these markets like crazy. They bet over eight and eight and a half wins on the Falcons, hmm. and bet the Falcons at plus two forty to win the NFC South. Again, this is not my bet. This is from a bet. Um, or this is a bet from somebody that I respect a whole lot when it comes to betting the NFL. And right. these guys are betting the Falcons, who, oh, by the way, have the second easiest schedule in the NFL. First 11 weeks, the Falcons face seven quarterbacks who are either rookies or are first-time starters. And the most important artery in this bet is that they don't believe in Derek Carr or the Saints or anything New Orleans related, if Sean Payton and Drew Brees aren't walking in the door. Yeah, I get it. Hey, in a, in a division that appears to have a lot of question marks, why would you ever bet a prohibitive favorite? You, the value is with the other three teams. So I saw you tweet out about your Gators. You had plus 950 to win the national title. Okay, tell me you you did something with this ticket when you were down to just you know basically hold the ticket and a second option of maybe taking half the money. What'd you do? All I did was bet LSU at plus 180 live when they went down 2 nothing yesterday. That was all I did. All right. No major hedge. You wow. know me. I'm, I'm not the biggest hedge person, unless it's going to change my life, unless we're talking about $25,000, $50,000. I mean, this was uh, a $1,000 bet to win, you know, 9500 And I, I, I thought after winning 24 to 4 on Saturday that <laughs> it would be yeah. it would be tough for LSU to – to roll through and play strong on Monday. Clearly I was wrong, but I'll tell you what, if you're going to give me um, the option to have a team at nine, 10 to one to make it all the way to the final in any sport, I will, I will take my chances in said final nine times out of 10. Well, obviously it was a good pick. It just didn't you know, finish up at plus nine fifty. Um, your NBA bets, you know, I saw you did a lot of the stuff on chicken dinner, so I wanted to address it. NBA draft bets. How did it turn out? One and one. The the Whitmore bet was fascinating because he was even money to go fifth overall, and that was the bet that I made. Cam Whitmore from Villanova to go exactly fifth at plus 450. Uh, three days before the draft, he's even money. And then, boy, did his stock fall. I mean, it reminded me of the Aaron Rodgers free fall in the, the NFL draft that he went. Remember, he was like the only one in the green room and ended up falling way out of the top 10, top 20. Um Apparently bad medical or bad workout or bad interview or all of the above. And, and that thing just went way south. So I, I did lose that bet. But again, you only you only lose a unit when you're betting 
a nine to two dog. And then I had uh Kobe Buffkin under 16 and a half. And that one, that one came through that market closed 12 and a half too. So if you were late to that, you, you lost, but, uh, this draft stuff, man, it's, it's getting tougher and tougher. And I think we talked about it a little bit last week, you know, nobody in Vegas is dealing the NBA draft. Nobody, I think stations had it up for like 24 hours and, and that was it because the books don't write a lot of money on it. And the money they do write is sharp and these lines, you know, move like crazy. Um, I sent you the email, by the way. Did you see the the Sham story in the Wall Street Journal? Did you check that out? I didn't, and I wanted you. I mean, I know roughly what happened, and I've seen a lot of people comment on Shams. And you're talking about the uh, the deal with the number two pick. So Shams had a tweet day of the draft, and it was basically uh, a source that told him that you know Scoot Henderson was legit live. Basically, I'm paraphrasing, but Scoot was live to go number two. And at the time of the tweet, Brandon Miller was minus 700 to go number two. So when Shams, who has been scooping drafts for a handful of years now, tweets that, hey, you know, hey, this is now a possibility for Scoot Henderson to go number two, those odds flipped immensely. And Scoot got pounded from four to one to three to one to 150 to even money. Scoot then goes out to minus 500, Steve. And let me remind you that Shams works for FanDuel. I knew, I figured you were going in this direction that there could be uh, a little integrity issue if you're working with a book. Oh my. I just, I'm not saying Shams did anything. Let me, let me start by saying that. But when you start doing the simple arithmetic, FanDuel made, a lot of money, and a lot of the books made a lot of money because Scoot was hammered day of the draft, hammered at all these different books. And then it turns out that the one real scoop that Shams kind of got wrong was the Scoot Henderson number two overall. I, I don't think there was any foul play. And, you know, the, the other problem with this is that league executives sometimes leak things that they, they want to be leaked. So if somebody – called and called Shams and said, Hey, look, we're going to take scoot if he's there or whatever. Shams by, by duty has to report that. But when you add all of the ingredients into the stew, you could make the case that something weird is going on. I'm not saying that's what happened, but I don't know. Willie, Steve, what do you guys think about that? Well, it's, it's funny because I'm sitting here giving hand signals to Steve for the next question. And then you asked him if he had saw that story. Cause what I wanted to ask you was, is there as since the first round's the big one, right? As far as like TV and marketing and interviews and this, that are there as it progresses, even into the later picks in game, like who will be taken next or will this person, because I happen to be at a draft party and it didn't dawn on me until the next day. And I, I and, and, and I was there as a family friend and then when I saw that there were a TV station was there, I was like, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and start getting interviews for radio cuts and then to, to, to write a piece on Julian. But it never crossed, like leading up to that, it never crossed my mind once we all kind of got a vibe and knew, because he was in the back room with his agents. Okay, they mm-hmm. had him isolated because, you know, the phones are ringing. It never dawned on me like, oh, man, I wonder if there's a place that's taking action. I wonder what the odds are. Like, it never even crossed my mind. The next day I was thinking, I'm seeing tweets, and he was, the, you know, they went off with the favorite. At, when it got to the 29th pick, it was the it was the Nuggets via the Pacers. 
Could you still bet like who was going to go at that time? Not anywhere in Vegas for sure. No, I know I, that. I don't, I don't think I don't think DraftKings or FanDuel were taking live bets on the draft. I think. Gotcha. Okay. I mean, don't quote me on that, but I, I would imagine that the, the problem with taking bets on live draft stuff is that that is mostly information stuff. And if if the information gets out like, hey, you know, 29 is going to do X, Y, Z, somebody's going to get that information before the book and just pepper the book. And if that happens 10 times from picks 15 to 30, they're going to get crushed. So I, I don't think they were doing it across the country, but but I know that, you know, some of the offshore shops were taking, you know, who will go next or who will go like matchups. Like, is it Willie Ramirez or Steve Cofield? Who goes first or who goes next rather? Like who's the first of those two? And you could bet minus 200 plus 170. That's offshore though. That's not regulated by the, uh, the American market and the DOJ and all that. So no, none of that going on. Um, but it just plays into the whole point, Willie, that you know this draft stuff, when the information gets out correct or incorrect, these markets shift drastically. Mm-hmm. And in the case of number two, Brandon Miller minus 700, Shams tweet, Charlotte looking at Henderson, Henderson goes to minus 600. Mm-hmm. And all of those people that, that saw the tweet that fired on the account are upset about it. And I, I don't. I don't think they're necessarily wrong because they wouldn't have made that bet if not for the tweet, if that makes sense. Yep. Well, it's a fascinating topic because I saw so many people who are not gamblers and don't think this way who, after that number two pick happened, folks are like, Woj beat Shams. And then, uh, you know, if you start connecting the dots here, and again, I'm not saying that Shams got spiffed by uh, a sports book, but what if he did? What if he got like 250, 500K on the side? I guess Woj didn't beat him, did he? Then, if uh, if, Shams is willing, <laughs> if Shams is willing to do that, you know, if he, you know, if that's the, the character, and hey, uh, and the, the other thing is, Shams doesn't really work for a traditional sports media outlet, so I don't know what ethics he has to follow. Fortinball lives out in Vegas. I, I don't know if you guys are cool or not. He he doesn't think there's anything going on. Uh, there was a story on Barrett Sports Media. He thinks that you know Shams basically got information from Charlotte, and and I think we'll never know. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was, and I didn't really even think about this either until I saw the story break out and then the Wall Street Journal got onto it. And yeah, that's, that was sort of the headline draft insider who works for sports book post tweet that didn't come to fruition. I know you sent me some uh, NFL sharp bets. We're up against it. We'll save them for next week. Is that good with you? Yeah, that's fine. I can tell you quickly though. Nick Chubb is getting a lot of play for offensive player of the year. Uh, there is a 30 to one in Vegas. Uh, that's a very hot play from uh from All a couple right. guys I respect, Nick Chubb, O P O Y. There you go, folks. There you go. There's the tip. Get out and bet Nick Chubb and do it now. You got plenty of time. All right, Sammy, we appreciate it. Thanks, man. All right, see you, boys. Sam Paniatovich, Nesson and Fox Sports. And yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't really dug into the Sham story, but uh, that's the that's the new media world, man. If you don't work for a you know a traditional sports media outlet, who's going to come down on you and go, hey, that's not ethical, right. especially if. If not only you are partnered with the sports book, but they're partnered with the sports book, then who makes that call? Like, oh, no, no, no. Don't help the sports book. But this is, these are the lines we talked about when we all started jumping into the same swimming pool together. Yep. You know, media outlets, the leagues, the owners. You know, it, it might only be perception. might not be reality. But there's enough that looks fishy. Makes you worry a bit.